Welcome back to the Common Counterpart. Yeah. I'm your host, Mark. And I'm Josh. Josh, how are we doing? I'm doing well, man. Common Counterpart. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. We're official now. I know. It was kind of a, a... Last episode I felt like was good for people to hear the ideas behind the transition. Mm-hmm. And now we're here. Yeah. New brand. Mm-hmm. New logo. Yeah. What do you think of the logo? I like it. Uh, I, I, I just... Just the fact that you and I have sort of fallen into, you know, culture and industry and, and, and you know, people and, and some of the, the stuff that we teach in, in, in class. And so I love the, the sort of industrial but, but natural sort of element to it. Yeah. I like the color. And, and, and we, I think, have just found each other's sort of style that we really like. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of, I don't know if I call it art, but really into like, Banksy yeah. influence very some of the things he does are very simple mm-hmm. and then obey has been a huge one for yeah. us in their marketing um, and so when I had Corey design it I, I I tried to do something that wasn't over the top but that was really effective in the idea of a counterpart so two things mm-hmm. making one or being complementary of each other right and this sort of leads me down at least one of my favorite brands is Ruka, and one of the reasons why I like them so much, you know, with their logo, is their idea is the balance of opposites, mm-hmm. and it's art and business, which totally makes sense. And when you talk about it in the world perspective, it's the nature, and then it's everything that we do to it. Right. So I think it turned out killer. I I love it, and uh, you know, when when you look at the the logo, common counterparts, you know. Um, Although there's a lot of different ideas and a lot of different cultures out there, there's a commonality to people just wanting to kind of get theirs, you know, progress through life, be around good people. But at the same time, you you have to have a, a complementary component to that. Something people, to check it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, people just can't hang out with a bunch of cookie cutters. Yeah. And so it's nice to know that everything that you and I kind of enjoy talking about, whether it's music or books or entertainment, there's always sort of a, a, a common element, obviously, running through it. And then it's sort of, uh, there's always a flip side, a yin to the yang, yeah. if you Yeah, and again, it's, and one of the things that I, I came up with um, we, is, well, this one was kind of more me, is where, okay. um, where science meets society. Not that, history. And No, because no. it, it's not really history. It's, right. We're talking about things that are happening now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's perfect. Like where science meets society is where we are. And that's kind of our relationship, just in general, the things that we talk about have a different lens, but it's really the same stuff. Right. And, you know, I thought, especially, you know, you coming up with the common part, you had a couple Mm -hmm. of other pieces with that too, right? The idea of the elements. Yeah. And so what are the common, I mean, like, what are we talking about here? Because this is more of a science thing. In, in regards to elements or just... Yeah, just in general, where, where, where that fit in. Like, what are, what are some things that are overlapping between your subject and mine? Uh, well, you know, just... So the first thing that kind of drew me was uh, there's a brand elements, right? And it can be, it can be looked at two different ways. It's the, the elements of, of nature, fire, earth, wind, water. Um, and then as a chemistry guy, there's the elements, the things that build everything. Um, 
and yet once you kind of get beyond that that physical science part, uh, there's a a common element of humanity. There's a common element of uh, you know everyone's got to use the resources in their lands to make a buck, take care of their family. Um, you've got a common uh, 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 an element of you know b- business, philosophy, government. I mean, we're all human, and so we're all sort of dealing with the same stuff, just in a different way. Yeah, and when you brought that forward, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, and then also, you know, it wasn't taken by anybody else, so I was like, yeah, copyright. Yeah, I was like, that's an added bonus. <laughs> and so, yes, for those that are confused, the Paria Collective is now the common counterpart. And I'm excited about it. Yeah. I think that I feel for the first time really that we have a vision. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've been much more productive this week yeah. in terms of thinking about this podcast in general. And I mm-hmm. think that that's probably fair. Um, if we're going to be doing this consistently and we're going to go through it, it, it is something that deserves time. Right. And the people that do choose to listen and shout out to all those that are. Yeah, thank our you. audience is growing, which is super fun. Um, we hope to provide you with things that are interesting yeah. and good content, hopefully new information, new things to think about. And um, it's going to be a super fun ride. I agree. And so going through this, you know, we kind of had a mapping out session trying to figure out where to go. And one of the problems with planning this out is that we do everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. we talk about everything. Yeah. So it only took a couple of words, and I already have like 14 ideas ready for different episodes, and that's really without putting a large amount of time into thinking about how many episodes per those topics can we do. Right. I mean, the world of AP is huge. The things that they require our kids to know is crazy. Mm -hmm. And every single one of those, yes, maybe in the grand scheme of things is not super big, or we wouldn't normally get to spend a lot of time on it. This is the platform that we can right. do that, and we can kind of flush those things out. So um, we are not at a lack of content. No, no. It's going to be narrowing it down. So um, the Common Counterpart will end um, in 2032. So if you're looking <laughs> for the end date for this series that we are doing. Yeah, please we'll, please stick around because the uh, the closing uh, 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 this, what, the series finale yeah. should be pretty amazing. It'll probably be the apocalypse. We've already we've already mapped it out, yeah, guys. We'll do the apocalypse yeah. last. Yeah, this isn't going to be like Lost. No, we will no. finish and we'll finish well. So what I thought that we would do for our first episode here officially is kind of just start with the basics of the world. Um, and not basics in terms of historically, but thinking about what it is that people see in the world today. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was sort of natural would be to look at the different levels of development. It's kind of the stain on the carpet that you really don't want to bring attention to. It's the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Yet it's so important for understanding the way that the world functions now, right? Yeah. Well, and I've, I I joke sometimes with with people in my life and students, and I, I tell them that, you know, for most of my life, I've been a white guy. And they, they chuckle, but yet that's my that's my lens. And growing up in in you know the Central Valley and if, of California, I only see things sort of one way. And if I want to live in my little bubble, I can. I can be completely oblivious to the world around me, and not really understand why aspects of the Middle East are in turmoil, or uh, uh, why one country doesn't seem to like uh, another country. And so uh, having a conversation about kind of what why do certain people do what those people do? And it's real simple for, 
a guy like me to say, oh, well, you know, they're just not doing it right. Or if they'd, if they'd follow, you know, the American version of capitalism, I'm sure they'd be better off. And there's really a lot more to that uh, as to why some people have and some people don't have. Yeah. And you're right to see through that lens because what else are you supposed to do? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, we're born where we are and into a place that we inherit. And what you do with that is all that you know. Mm -hmm. And the idea of, you know, you mentioned the haves versus like the have nots. The way I, the way I try and I, I was thinking about how I wanted to describe this and I don't know if this is a phrase that's been around for a long time, but my two daughters who are in elementary school, they say this all the time because their teachers always tell them, they say, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> and, and, and they can re they recite it all the time whenever something doesn't go the other, do, the other one's have way. Have they ever said it to you? They do say it to me all okay. the time. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. And I absolutely think that's hilarious that that's like the mantra in their <laughs> classrooms. But it also, thinking about the world, you get what you get. Mm -hmm. And it's super unfortunate. You know, sometimes, especially in terms of geography, you are either a prisoner of it mm -hmm. or you get to capitalize from it. Which, by, by the way, great uh, name drop on a phenomenal book. Prisoners of Geography. Prisoners of Geography. If you guys are at all interested in sort of why cultures and, and groups of people do what they do. Or have done historically with yeah. borders and everything else. Yeah, it, it, Prisoners of Geography, very, very good. Highly recommend. Yeah, agreed. And it's, depending on, on, on where you are placed, it's going to drastically impact what your life looks like. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there are, uh, there are some people whose roll of the dice was just a little bit better than others. What are we supposed to do with that? I, I think in my own life, uh, uh, you know, when, when you see that someone got rolled a, a bad hand in my context, in my world, right? Um, you know, you, you try to offer up some, some support if support is, is, is needed. However, when I look at the world, so I, I used to know this guy and uh, our kids went to preschool together and almost every single time he introduced himself to somebody, within five minutes, he let you know that he was in the wealthiest 10%. Uh, in, in, in the earning bracket. Uh, and I, I did a little research and I realized something. If you're driving a car and have a cell phone and you have access to clean water and cable, you're actually in the richest 1%. It's crazy. It is insane. When, when, I look at, when I look at the homeless in Fresno with cell phones and solar panels and tents and access to food, and somehow to and a bike and a bike, that is not what poverty looks like anywhere else. anywhere else in the world. No, but it's, it's your lens exactly, and it's what you see. And you know, I I had friends who uh, uh, grew up poorer than I did, but they had a big TV, and they always had access to the the, the equipment they needed for their sporting events. Um, and so it is kind of a, a difficult thing when you're looking at folks who you, you know have have nots. It's a difficult uh, uh, thing to sort of rationalize in your brain. Well, and, and again, try and figure out like what to do with that. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the responsibility? Is it, hey, you know, bootstraps? You know, <laughs> pick yourself up, work a little bit harder, and and your kids will have a better life than than you have. Mm -hmm. It's so much more complicated right. than that. And I think that for a long time, to be honest, that was 
that was the that was the thought. If if only this country would just do this. Mm-hmm. If only those people would just do this. And it, it's it's localized too, right? We think about it when we see the homeless. Mm-hmm. When you see areas of poverty in the United States, oh, it, it's a choice. Like yeah. they just don't want to be better. Like I wish they would just work hard. Mm-hmm. That neighborhood would never be thought of that way if they would only just do this. Right. They must like to live this way. Yeah. And and on in a certain sense, like that's how they get painted. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really unfortunate when you don't understand the whole story. Yes, there is absolutely inequality. And that's kind of what we're going to focus on today is in which ways do inequalities exist? Mm-hmm. In which ways are they beneficial? And what have we done as a world, as a human race, to either help or hurt in the idea of us becoming equals? You know, so somebody, some about equality came up and... Um, it was something about making sure that all people have a uh, a level playing field, that everyone has equal opportunity, and they almost alluded to equal outcome. And then I asked them if they were a sports fan, and they said, "Oh yeah, I love I love sports, and I'm a big fantasy football guy." And I said, "Would you like to see that degree of equality in sports?" And the guy looked at me kind of funny, and I'm thinking, "We talk about equality amongst people, and yet we love knowing." that our sports team is better than. We love knowing that that musician's making more money than or that actor has more bling or more likes than. And yet we, we, we say equality, but, and, but at the same time, we, we don't really want pure equality. We, we kind of want to know that someone's better at this than somebody else. Yeah, what do you equate that to? I, you know, I, I, we've said it before, tribe. I, I, I think there's a hierarchy in, um, amongst all higher organisms where there's a there's a pecking order. I mean, it does kind of exist in the animal world, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, the, the, the alpha and, right. and, the, and the beta it's, and that sort of thing. It's a very natural thing. It's, it's that we want it, but we do also admit that we love the idea of competition. We do. And it's, it's a great way for us to measure where we fit. I mean, I, I grew up playing sports. I wasn't good at it. And early on in my life, I realized, okay, I'm the guy getting picked because my brothers are better. And so, I, you know, I had two other brothers who were a little bit better. And so I, I was just the third guy that got picked. But guess what? I realized it wasn't my thing. So yeah. I went and found something else to do. Yeah. Um, now, in, in, in life, I get it. There are people who get dealt a, a bad hand. And humans should not be competing with each other over sanitation, right? We should <laughs> right, be con- there are some basic necessities yeah. that and we so probably when, should when there's with. someone who's in need, you 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 help somebody out. And that's something that humans do that no other uh, I mean maybe some higher animal monkeys or whatever, but humans are pretty good at helping other humans if we can identify something within that person that we can connect with. And so you know, when we separate people by economics, when we separate people by color or religion or race or, ca- you know, a caste system, it becomes easy to, to devalue them. But when we look at them as human and realize that there's one human race and I've got a brother or sister who I can help in one way, I think most humans want to help if, if they can identify with that connecting factor. I think, th- I think that they want to feel like that other person is doing all that they can. Mm. Like there's that piece of it where, and I think this is with a lot of people, and this is one reason why a lot of people don't give is because they feel like it's their free handouts, like they're giving something to somebody else. But the the line that I like, that I look at is where does sort of Darwin fit in? 
And just the idea that like, hey, you know, for some, it's going to be great. For some, it's not going to be so great. And you know what? Survival of the fittest, like it is what it is. Mm -hmm. It there's There's that mentality, but then there's also the mentality, like you say, where everyone just talks about being kind. Mm-hmm. Always, right? Everyone's ad campaign, be kinder, show more love, show less hate, right? We're dealing with a lot of craziness right now in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone would agree that more love is a good solution. Mm-hmm. But what are you supposed to do? Am I supposed to put $5 in an envelope and just mail it to a country and hope it ends up in the right place? Mm. How do I know that the people that I am giving to are actually the ones who are receiving it. Yeah. Like the I think that you don't realize how big the world is until you start thinking in terms of inequality. Right. And then it becomes alive to you and you're like it's so much larger than I ever thought. Well, and, you know, as you're talking about that, I think some of it's trust. You know. I think a lot of it's trust. So, you know, um, so my mom used to work for a temp agency. And her job was to go out and find lots and lots of people who could uh, be available for a variety of jobs. And she thought it'd be clever to hand out a card to these folks who were on the side of the corner asking for handouts. And nine times out of ten, she'd hand them this, this temp agency card. They'd look at it and they'd throw it, throw it on the ground. But th- that one out of ten person kept it. And there were numerous times when those people came in and they just had a bad string of luck, and they got a chance, and they got put on temp, and then they got put on part-time, and then they got put on full-time. And I think that's what humans would like to know their efforts accomplish. She had to feel good about that. She, she loved it. And, and it's not an easy thing to, to realize that your attempts were rejected nine out of 10 times, right? That she handed those cards to those people, and they just said, no thanks, I want a handout. Um, but when it worked out, yeah, she felt great about it. And I think that most people in most countries would, would even agree that that's something that we want. Mm-hmm. I think it's also really important to understand that not everybody has hit the geography lotto. Right. And, you know, when you think about countries and, and come from this, um, from an ape's perspective, what is the lottery look like for you? you like me as a person or No, as a... like as in, in your subject, like, like what is it, what... What is ideal? What ideally do you want as a people group, as a country? Well, so what, what we see a lot of is uh, access to reliable, clean water. Number one, right? Number one. It has to be number one. Um, and um, uh, the other thing is sort of the, uh, the um, angle, the, the elevation at which that water comes from. So um, back to that book, Prisoners of Geography, they talk about how North America is the geographic lottery. We've got relatively flat rivers that run not only north-south, but we also have rivers that run east-west. And so there's water that goes into a pretty massive continent where people can use it for, for water, for, for bathing, for irrigation. Um, and then uh, geographically, you're looking at soil. I mean, there are parts of the world, they've got lots and lots of land, but they don't have good soil. Or they've got decent soil, they don't have the water. And from that point... Uh, people figured out that they grow a certain plant and they can grow food. And if they grow the right food, maybe some some herbivores or carnivores will show up. Uh, and within under 100 years, a, a, a nomadic people can turn into a village or a town. Um, so the U.S. is number one. Go, op- it, go op- 
or close to whatever. Yeah. I don't want this to be like U.S. is number one. No, but we. Uh, but we do. We did hit the lottery. We did hit the lottery. So, what's the opposite end of the spectrum, for, uh, in in your eyes? Uh, I mean, obviously not absolutely one hundred percent place that no one should ever live, work, or be in, but a generality of of what's an area that man, it's just it's a tough it's a tough roll of the dice. Well, I mean, anything. The, the further you get away from the equator, you're looking at at really bad winters. And so you've got people who have to learn how to preserve food. Um, you know, you, got a, you, you have a lot of uh, people who actually live with their animals, which was kind of a, a weird, it's kind of how immunity, how, how, how pathogens would cross between people, uh, you know, chicken pox or horse pox or cow pox or, or whatever, because people had to bring their, their, their animals in, uh, into their houses during the bad weather. Um, but rocky soil would be bad. Um, uh, uh, lots of mountains, no water. I mean, there there are parts of the, this planet that you know water hardly ever touches, um, and there's really nothing we can do to fix that. Um, and then sometimes too, I think it's it's the sort of animals that naturally habitat there. Um, when you look at how easy it was to domestic, well, I wasn't there, I don't know, but <laughs> but to domesticate horses to do work and to domesticate cows or goats or chickens or whatever to become a food or milk source, where there are other parts of the world. I look at Africa. What an exotic landscape. Lions and hyenas and elephants and giraffes. And those are not domestic domesticatable animals. Or at least not yet. Not yet. Um, I think it was. I, I think I've mentioned Jared Diamond a couple times. Yeah. But I love that line where he talks about what would have happened had if they the, would have been able to. Does he use rhinos? He talks about hippos? yeah. If what the, does he if, use? If the if the English had shown up, and the the native Africans rode up to meet them, mounted on rhinoceros and, and giraffe, it would have been a different story. It would have been a completely different story. Yeah. You don't go up against a mounted rhino. No. <laughs> so for you, places you know. That are bad. I think that what we look at in in geography is is how do you adapt to those. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether we're looking at environmental determinism and this idea of we'll do whatever we can, like we'll figure it out. It life may not look the same, mm-hmm. right? Very similar to you. Um, having water is huge. What we found, um, I say we, like I was, again, like I wrote the book, I didn't. Uh, but what we teach, um, having access to the ocean is such a huge thing. In, is that, is in, that for trade? Yeah. Okay. In, in some form or fashion, being a landlocked state mm-hmm. is one of the worst things that you can be. And if you look at the areas that are struggling the most, they typically are landlocked states. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the areas of the world that have developed the most, they're typically along the shoreline. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the example that never gets old. If you can live in the valley or live at the coast, where are you going to live? Right. Right? Everyone's picking the coast. The access, you know, the weather typically is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You're going to get access to the water for trade is awesome, but for again, for food mm-hmm. is another one. Um, those areas where they they don't have good soil, you know, people have kind of adapted. You know, we have pastoral nomadism where they're deciding like, hey, we're going to be the ones to raise the sheep. You know, and we could just eat sheep every day, all day, or we can take some of these sheep and we could walk them mm-hmm. because they can walk themselves, right? So now we're not having to worry about travel because, yes, we're moving slow, but they're moving themselves. We can go into the cities, we can sell some of our mm-hmm. sheep, and we can get some crops from somebody that can grow crops. So here, I got a question for you then. So um, 
when we talk about trade, and, and you're more of a, a human geography guy, in, in what you teach your students, are there people or cultures or ideas that uh, turn away from trading with outsiders? Yeah, hist- historically there have been a couple of times where people have decided that they want no business in the outside world. They don't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of that typically has to do with trying to keep your culture pure. When you start letting people in mm-hmm. is when you start creating hybrids. Okay. And I don't just mean hybrid people. I'm talking about hybrid culture. You start taking aspects of this. Systems. Oh, yeah, like, oh, they do that. We mm-hmm. should probably start bringing that in. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, hold on. I don't want to bring that in. There's a couple of um, stories of you know some of these countries that are up in the mountains, it, areas near Nepal, Mm-hmm. Um, really remote areas where they have actively chosen to not allow smartphones or actively <sighs> chosen to not allow television. Will they allow Westerners in? Well, it's not so much about Westerners coming in. It's, it's about this idea of maintaining purity amongst the tradition. And they've seen what happens. There was a story um, where they brought in a traffic light. It used to be someone's job. Someone would stand in the mm-hmm. middle of like a roundabout and they would move traffic. They brought in a traffic light and the leaders of the country said, that's too modern. We can't do that. We have to take that out. And they took it out. I love it. It's so old school, right? And they, don't, they are self-sufficient. Now, that's really hard to do. Think mm-hmm. about that. The idea that you don't need to trade with anybody. Now, so a bit naive to what Nepal is. Is that a a mountain? Yeah, mountainous region. Very, um, they've had to sort of be remote in that way. It's it's just so hard to travel to Mm -hmm. by foot or even by animal. And so they have been, think of of it almost like living a, I don't want to say like monastery style Mm -hmm. life, but it's very much connected to nature. Obviously, you have beautiful views. Um, you have a very you, you have a very interesting spot in terms of your location, right? You mm-hmm. serve as part of the border between India and China. Like, oh, that's like, a tough spot. That's a tough spot to be. <laughs> now you have the Himalayas around you, so that's kind of helpful. Okay. But you know that that's, that's a lot of people lying there, but, and and they don't want to lose that. But the people of Nepal live in an area that allows them to live comfortably, but they're surrounded by like hostile uh, uh, environmental. The we- I mean, the weather's tough. The okay. weather's rough. They're, they're mountainous people okay. for the most part. And I think that when I, when I look at geographically what it takes, who surrounds you plays a major role into what you're going to be. Mm-hmm. What do they say? Show me your friends. And I'll show you your future. And I'll show you your future. I forget who said that. That <laughs> but was a good one. Show me your neighboring countries, yeah. and I'll, I'll play out your history for you. Mm-hmm. I'll show you what it's going to be like. And depending on who you have around you, what they, what their philosophy is, how they're going to play themselves out, what their access to water looks like, what natural resources they have, you know, things are just not equal across the board. Mm-hmm. You know what, thinking about it, and again, I'm probably going to find a book now on Nepal, but uh, talk about people who you have to be very careful with. Okay, so Nepal has X, and India is willing to offer you something, which is going to upset China. China's willing to offer you something which is going to upset India. And so these people are in a position where they're going to, their only option is to be self-sufficient. Right, because whatever you do has consequences. Right. Right, nothing happens in a vacuum. And they also serve as the 
kind of the buffer mm-hmm. between them. So when we think about geography, figuring out how to win that lotto is become a little bit easier in ways than which people have actually adjusted to that type of lifestyle, which whatever that's going to be. Mm-hmm. We've, we've made um, technological advances. And even in areas like, keep going back to Nepal, uh, areas that, that aren't very modern, they've adjusted and figured out ways to survive. You have to, right? That again mm-hmm. goes back to the survival of the fittest. So when we think about areas that are important, it also has to do with what's in the earth right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of, and you, you talk a lot about, you know, mineral wealth and natural resources. Right. Like what, what is it that you want? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it's what you want. I mean, right now, or I guess I should have said a hundred years ago, you wanted oil or coal, uh, or gold. Um, but with those things bring their own set of problems. I mean, Africa, I, I believe has one of the largest diamond deposits in the world but the African people don't own those diamonds. It's owned by some Dutch company. And so, yes, Africa has the resource, but the resource isn't owned by the African people. And let's be honest, a diamond is only cool if you could eat that day. No one's buying a diamond if they can't afford a meal. Right. Uh, Well, and diamonds are really only cool because we say that they're cool. Exactly. Right? I mean, the market's completely made up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... I mean, you uh, want oil. Oil. But again, oil only made sense if we could figure out what to use it for. How to extract and how to yeah. extract it. I mean, there was a time, Mark, when uh, you went out hunting for, for whales and you would use the bone to, to build things. You would use, the, I don't even know if they use the whale meat, to be honest with you. I think they use the blubber for lights. It just burn, right? Yeah. Slow. So, so can you imagine, here you are, you know, the, the who was the Moby Dick guy? Ahab? Yeah. Okay. So Captain Ahab going after his, his, his white whale, and then some redneck in the Midwest discovers oil. Usually on accident. On accident. And now all of a sudden, the entire whaling industry is, is, is gone. Where you had thought that maybe you won the lotto. Yeah. Because you had access to the whales. Mm-hmm. That lottery can change, right? That roll of the dice can become not so valuable anymore. Exactly. And so that's one of the things that I, I, I try and, and get across to my students is natural resources are great. They are awesome. And a lot of times once, you, once they're done, they're done. And you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to get anything from it. But if, if you don't have the infrastructure to support that natural resource, it could all be diamonds. It could all be gold. Mm-hmm. It could all be oil. It could all be sand. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You, you are not going to be able to benefit from it. So mm-hmm. really winning the geography lottery is only half the battle. Right. And that's why I, it, it, I think it also comes down to people. You know, uh, I mean, the Native Americans would have never uh, butchered the land the way settlers did. They would have never dug into the earth and extracted oil. There was coal. no need to, right? Yeah, well, not, not only was there no need, but uh, that wasn't something that, that's not how they communicated with, with, in their culture, with their sense of religion and that sort of thing. Um, and so those, those resources do change how we people are going to respond. I mean, when I look at parts of Afghanistan, I guess, uh, they're riddled with minerals now that we need for technology. But yet Afghanistan, I don't believe, has the infrastructure to go in and extract those minerals, and it's not a an easy place to do business. That's the other part too, right? Your relationships mm-hmm. that plays a major part in what you're going to be able to do. Yeah, 
But those natural resources are important. The geography of your country is important. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about what you want, you, you want a little bit of everything, which is probably why the U.S. does so great. Mm -hmm. If you just have a flat country, that's okay, mm -hmm. but that that's all you got. You need some mountains, you, yeah. You're not going to be able to make mountains out of that flat land. Mm -hmm. And vice versa. If you only have mountains, your situation is going to be very limited. Yeah. If you can get a little bit of both, if you can get some decent weather— mm -hmm. Right. And and it sounds like what you were saying earlier is if, if you're willing to have good relationships with your neighbors, you know, hopefully they're not invading you or maybe they're willing to do a little bit of trade. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's human nature, right? I want what you've got. You want what I've got. And uh, 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 if you're willing to trade, then I guess that would work out uh, uh, for, for, for both parties. Hopefully. I mean, that's ideally what you, you mm -hmm. want to be able to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why mountains come into play. Yeah. Right. If you can get a, a mountain border, if you can get a physical border, mm -hmm. I would say that's also another part of which, again, borders aren't they're sort of superimposed. Well, but when you can use a natural deflection, mm -hmm. a big river. I, I was going to ask you, when it comes to those artificial borders, is there a group of people who are notorious for coming up with really bad borders? I mean, Border, borders just in general are a super fun topic that we go into because they're nothing. We, we take them to mean everything mm -hmm. because we stare at the same map since we were in, you know, fourth grade. And that's, hey, that's the border. That, that's where this one stops. That's where this one starts. Mm -hmm. Only if it needs to be for the most part. Because a lot of those, a lot of those borders were sort of imposed by a, 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 a conquering Almost all of them. Right. So, uh, you look at, and you look at Africa, which we'll spend a couple of episodes on Africa. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on. Nobody asked for that. Right. Nobody. Has, no one asked for a lot of these borders. You know, for a while it was well, you can border what you can defend, mm. and how far out do we want to go? Which goes back to nature. I mean, that's how certain certain critters maintain a, a, a herd or a pride. Is you get to keep what you're able to protect. And can you imagine that world where well? Cal the size of California is going to change. No. It, it can change every month because we're defending the mm -hmm. front line and it's constantly moving back and forth. And yet, so there is sort of an animal, you know, uh, uh, mentality of we, we sort of want to, we want, we want to know what's ours. We want to know how to defend it. I think uh, uh, not too many of us would know exactly how to defend it. Not anymore. Uh, but we do want to make sure that we can get and maintain what we have had. But yet we always want more. We do. If someone said, hey, do you want to absorb Nevada? Like we're, like, we're still in. I don't care what's there. We're still in. I don't know. That, got... that, that's a very mater uh, military type mindset, but mm. that's what is the only thing that's finite. I mean, I'll take Oregon. <laughs> I'm not taking Nevada. You the, can have it. The square footage that you own is finite. And it's the only thing where there is no free land left. Right. It's all been spoken for. I mean, whether that's official or yeah. unofficial. And well, the, the Chinese are building islands in the in the Pacific. Correct, and Russia's trying to claim the Arctic Circle for okay. themselves. And so that there there are these there are these debates about who owns what, which that's mm -hmm. a ton of other you know great episodes that we'll do. But it's about always trying to get more than what you have and never being satisfied mm -hmm. with that. That's what's created the best empires in the world. England wasn't just like, no, we just need one. Like, like once, yes, like, yes, one, yes, one, yes, one, oh, Hans Rosling. Amen. It's not like they, you know, they just took Australia and we're like, okay, this is cool. 
Mm. I mean, could you imagine? No. It, the globe would look so different. And so much of the way that the haves and have-nots play themselves out has to do with who conquered them. Right. And who was the superpower there? And what did they do? How did they treat the people that were there? And so next week, we're going to talk about colonial powers, yeah, how but... they came forward, what they were looking for. And it, it answers so many questions about today. Mm -hmm. it, it's remarkable where if you just understand a little bit of who conquered them first, you're like, oh, that makes sense now, that makes sense now, mm -hmm. and that makes sense now. Well, what's the, uh, when somebody responds to me in a way that I don't like, I, I say, who hurt you? Right. <laughs> And, which is exactly that. Which is what we're going to see with, with people and, and why some have and some don't have. And the scars that are still there. Yeah. And there's a story behind all of them. Every scar. Tells a story. That's right. It's good. Well, before we end this out today, we are going to hit some words of wisdom. Now, I don't have a really cool story about the author. I tried to look this up, but it's, it's unknown as far as I can find. Um, but I really love this quote. The quote is, it doesn't matter if the glass is half empty or half full. Be grateful that you have a glass and there is something in it. Uh, so I agree with this 100%. But the little sinner on my left shoulder is looking around the room and I see other people with bigger glasses with more stuff in it. And you want that stuff. And I am perfectly content with my stuff if I if the little sinner in me does not see all the other things that people have. And that, again, is part of one of the reasons why a lot of these other countries don't want the outsiders coming in. No, it's, it's one of the reasons why that China doesn't allow for full internet access. Yeah. If you don't know what's going on, mm -hmm. you don't have anything to complain about. Yeah, it's, should, North, it's North Korea's biggest thing. And, and you should be happy that you've got a computer. Well, and what's crazy is you will be happy because it's all that you know. Oh, that's... Uh, if you don't know what you're missing, yeah, then you're exciting. That seems so contrary to what lays off fair, the manifest destiny, destiny of the Wild West. Of course. It was always about moving forward and, and, and grabbing more. But if you've only had baloney your whole entire life... You could not have made a worse example. And you've never had roast beef? <laughs> then baloney is the best thing that you've ever had. Oh. Right? If you don't know what else is out there, you don't know what you're missing. I've... So if you're not looking around at everybody else's cup, mm -hmm. your cup is just fine, sir. Yeah. You have a cup and there is something let's inside. Stick, let's stick with the cup and not the bologna. Okay, we'll go with the cup. Good. So there is this idea that, listen, half empty, half full, woe mm -hmm. is me, I wish I hit the better lottery, mm -hmm. or hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, just be better than you are, keep trying to mm -hmm. advance, hey, we hit the lottery, life is great. Either way, we all have something to build off of. Right. We're just filling our cups at different rates. Well, and, and there are some people who, who all they want to do is fill that cup, right? But then once the cup is full... What do you do with the rest? What do you, how, do you, how do you get more? And so maybe that, that, that uh, remaining space in your cup is an opportunity for personal growth, spiritual growth, national growth, financial growth. And that's, just, that's, that's something that maybe in, 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 in all humans is just innate to us. There is, but there's also the other side, and you think about in terms of countries that once their glass gets full, they would actually rather pour out the rest than give it to someone whose glass is half empty. Yes. And that's competition. That's colonialism. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Blowing my mind, Mark. I Man, love it. Thank you guys so much for joining us on The Common Counterpart. Look forward to talking to you all each and every week. Joshi, 
I'll Mark. see you soon, buddy. Yes. See it. <laughs> <laughs>